Although the event did not in itself amount to much more than an alarming outbreak of rioting, mutiny, and mob rule, it was universally interpreted as standing for something else and accorded immense significance. The English statesman Charles James Fox declared it to be the greatest event that ever happened in the world. Rather than wait and observe further developments before reaching an opinion, most educated people immediately took up one of two diametrically opposed positions. It was as though they had seen a long-awaited signal. To those who identified with the ideological canon of the 18th century European Enlightenment, the grim old fortress, which was largely redundant, was an emotionally charged symbol of the oppressive and iniquitous ancien regime, whose institutions and practices were unacceptable to the modern mind. It stood for everything that was wrong with the world. Its fall was therefore seen as the harbinger of a new age, immeasurably more just and moral in every way than the existing one. There was nothing logical or reasoned about their response. Although the Bastille had certainly not been a threat of any sort to any inhabitant of Petersburg, noted the French ambassador to the Russian court, I find it difficult to express the enthusiasm aroused among the shopkeepers, merchants, townsfolk, and some young people of a higher class by the fall of this state prison. He went on to describe how people embraced in the street as though they had been delivered from some excessively heavy chain that had been weighing them down. Even the young Grand Duke Alexander greeted the news with enthusiasm. From London, the barrister and legal reformer Sir Samuel Romilly wrote to his Genevan friend Etienne Dumont, I am sure I need not tell you how much I have rejoiced at the revolution that has taken place. I think of nothing else and please myself with endeavouring to guess at some of the important consequences which must follow throughout Europe. The revolution has produced a very sincere and very general joy here. Even all the newspapers, without one exception, though they are not conducted by the most liberal or the most philosophical of men, join in sounding forth the praises of the Parisians and in rejoicing at an event so important for mankind. This view was echoed in Germany, where poets such as Klopstock and Hölderlin hailed the revolution as the greatest act of the century, and numerous Germans flocked to Paris to breathe the air of freedom. If the revolution should fail, I should regard it as one of the greatest misfortunes that had ever befallen the human race, wrote the Prussian civil servant Friedrich von Gentz in a letter to a friend on the 5th of December, 1790. It is philosophy's first practical triumph, the first instance of a form of government based on principles and on a coherent and consistent system. It is the hope as well as the consolation for so many of the old evils under which humanity groans. To the young in particular, the sudden explosion of energy in the French capital held enormous appeal, and it set their collective imagination on fire. A visionary world seemed to open up to the young poet Robert Southey, and according to Mary Wollstonecraft, 
all the passions and prejudices of Europe were instantly set afloat. The news from Paris was greeted with almost religious fervor, and William Wordsworth spoke for many of his generation when he wrote, Bliss was it in that dawn to be alive. The second coming could hardly have elicited greater ecstasy. The excitement was driven by emotions of an essentially spiritual nature, similar to those which would drive so many young people in the second half of the twentieth century to embrace, without questioning, a socialism they were usually at a loss to define, but which they believed held out the promise of a better world. Convinced as they were that it was the right way forward for humanity, many of those...